Welcome to Building Leaders, everyone, the show about the creative geniuses that are building the world around us. My name is Angelos Nicolau, and I'm joined by Michal Solomondos from our team. Today's show is about the story of Mr. Mohamed Abushahi, Corporate MEP Manager for Shamul Holding. Shamul is the company behind the largest mixed-use retail and hospitality developments in Saudi Arabia. The projects are worth well over $4 billion, and Mohamed is leading the entire MEP operation. Mohamed started from zero and built his reputation through incredible determination and experiencing all layers of construction before finally moving to the owner's side. This episode is filled with career as well as business insight, and there's a lot to look up to. We hope you enjoy it. Thank you again for, okay, for joining. Thank you for inviting me. So, yeah, I guess let's get started from, from Egypt. So you, you grew up there. You grew up born and raised in Egypt. Yeah. I, 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 my childhood was in Portside, which is a city, the Suez Canal meeting the Mediterranean. Uh, we, we are a free zone, actually. We was a free zone since 1977. Hmm. It's the very similar, is very similar to the vision of Dubai. And then you studied also at university in Egypt? I studied electrical engineering in uh, Suez Canal University. Uh, the building still, uh, I was studying in my home city as well. Hmm. After the electrical engineering, I started, I finished the electrical engineering in, in mid-1995. Uh, hmm. Something uh, I still remember about uh, the college times. I was a big fan of uh, renewable energies at that time and uh, artificial intelligence. You got bit by the bug very early on. And after that, you, you just jumped into, into your career straight out of college uh, and, and just joined the general contractor uh, or a subcontractor. Yeah. I, I moved to EPC company, company mm. and we was involved in, uh, in projects, in a various levels of projects mm. from uh, strip malls, beach resorts, and uh, we built some uh, Philips uh, OEM uh, factories, thermoplastic and um, and die casting factories across Egypt, as well as some headquarters, bank headquarters. The good thing about the bank headquarters is it had a lot of technology. And this was a bit of, uh, I would call it one of my lucky things that in a bank, you will find every technology you want in terms of security, small data centers, uh, firewalls, all of this stuff will appear. It, it was BMS, latest modern and fire, fire technologies, uh, FM200, MIST, whatever you will find in a bank headquarter. Mm. Uh, so it was despite the bank headquarters was a small projects not very big in terms of uh, multi-million jobs, but it had a lot of technology, which is something helped me later on to, to, to catch up with the uh, building surfaces in the future. Yeah. Did that, did that excite you before you got that job? Is that something that you looked for actively or did it just happen by chance, let's say, that you got involved in a project like that? Uh, when you are young, you are very motivated to do a lot of things. I, I was going and taking initiatives and in, uh, in projects. And uh, I don't know, I, I used to be like, uh, 
in, in few months, I was leading the electromechanical department of the company. Mm. And it was looking very normal and natural to me at the time. But now I understood it shouldn't be this way. <laughs> Would you open the doors to a young guy, let's say, that joined the company or a young girl that joined the company and, and is as ambitious as you were at the time because you have that experience? I, 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 I used to say this, actually. I, I really appreciate uh, the company owners. He, is, he used to be so close to me afterwards, really, because he gave me a huge opportunity and a huge responsibility at the same time. I wouldn't hesitate to do the same a bit in my, mm -hmm. to, to even a 10 years uh, engineer uh, experience. I would, I would a bit hesitate. I was lucky to manage these projects from day one. Yeah. Uh, it, it was really, I don't know, but when trust is there, things happen. Yeah. The trust is very important. The, the trust is very important component in the dynamics in the companies. And uh, you must have made some mistakes along the way, uh, you know, while, while you were there, right? I mean, a, a young, ambitious, fired up uh, engineer. You know, sometimes we, we tend to get a little bit, you know, overexcited and we push too, too much in one direction or another. How was that handled by the management at the time? Were they just like, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, fail to try again tomorrow, or did you get, you know, some... No, there was... Our projects was mostly fast-tracked, and we was building in uh, in, f in few cities over, the, over Egypt. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you are young, you was looking, you are, you, are, you are following the progress. You want to execute. You push, you push, you push. You move to this pusher mood, and and sometimes the quality, because of the rush, you know the famous triangle, the quality, the cost, and the schedule. Mm -hmm. If you insist you want to push back, again, you push back, you want to maintain your cost, and you want to accelerate the schedule, you end with some compromises in the quality. And this has happened to me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and happened to some, our, some of our projects. Now I understood more clearly the relationships between this, this famous triangle. I, I didn't at, at the time when I was working really yeah. the first few years of my construction career. Yeah, you don't have time to, to think or to look back. Um, and then... And then what, what made you leave Egypt? Because you've traveled uh, quite a bit. I moved to, to study environmental management, uh, postgraduate diploma in Hamburg. Mm. I worked a slightly bit in uh, Koblenz with an uh, electromechanical consultancy over uh, some Opel uh, factory renovations in Vienna. And, uh, after that, I moved to Saudi Arabia. I moved to consultancy work. Again, after uh, I, I was managing the electromechanical department there, we was basically designing and supervision for many headquarters in Saudi Arabia. Mm. And one of the most challenging projects we have was, uh, this is, was a new experience for me, was uh, designing media projects, studios. 
because at that time we had a very interesting um, joint venture with BBC because we didn't have the, the experience to design uh, the specialist part of the studios. Right. The acoustics so and the you know and the, all the w wiring, I guess, for for uh, for the consoles and the mics and and whatnot. Yeah, and the quality of the studio, the sound, the, the whole thing was a bit. Is if you really didn't design it before, you need someone who are capable. The sound BBC proper sound engineer in house. BBC have their own uh, design consultancy office. This is what people oh, don't really. Oh, wow. They have. We had a joint venture with them to. Huh. To, to build a project, to design the projects. And there's a challenge in Saudi Arabia, I had to restructure the team. I restructured the electromechanical teams and uh, I built efficiencies of it. And it was, it was successful really. I hired a lot of people. Hmm. Hiring is really very important aspect of any of any organization and it's overlooked mostly yeah. hiring the right team is the key to any success mm. if you hire the right team you motivate the right team you build the vision everything really swiftly move right um when you when you i i, I love this subject i love the subject of hiring um it's it, it's something that we emphasize on especially now that our team is very young um what is more important for you is it is it to find someone with the skills or to find someone with the attitude um to make it to to make it work obviously you have you know a lot more experience in that department no of, of, uh, it's not a secret now that uh, attitude is everything you, you cannot uh, moving without attitude is like a car moving with a flat tire this is a very famous thought but I, I would hire for uh, team skills. This is much a very important thing for me. Uh -huh. The being able to collaborate, being able to coach and monitor, um, develop a team, lead, fit in. This is uh, team skills is very important. Emotional intelligence is an important factor as well. Right. A cultural uh, team member is very important. Because now we work in multicultural teams, and if you don't, if you ignore this, the team will not function. If you ignore this factor, the being the uh, having a multicultural team, everybody's aware of the dynamics, everybody, how everybody's thinking. It will not. It will not. It will be difficult to plan and organize and control and manage afterwards. Uh, other factor I would hire for is uh, the ability to see the industry from different angles because engineers always see the industry from uh, the engineering point of view. The the rest of uh, like uh, I would say the cost, of course, is uh, the financial aspect of the decision is important. I also prefer to hire while uh, the end result in my mind. I don't want the best candidate today. I want the best candidate in one year. When I hire someone, I have to envision what I'm going to do with him. I'm going to train him this way. This is the courses I will run with him. This is how I how you will progress. I hire him with some, how, what is his career progression will be? What type, what type of different skills he has to acquire while 
This is how you hire a great candidate. Rather than you don't want to hire a candidate which is good now. You want to hire the right candidate in one year. Right. And one thing is important also is to give a challenge for the candidate. Because if you hire a good candidate, but you don't challenge him, in a year, he will be looking for another job. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and what about, and what, you know, since we're on the topic, what about firing? Um, thinking about that i got thinking about that because the way you're describing now you know i i uh, and i i think I, i watched this video with michalis at some point um last year it was from a a, a writer uh, that wrote a book start with why and his name is simon sinek and he he drew a chart and he says that he worked with uh, the the u.s navy and that chart had um, uh, it was it was talent versus attitude, and and he says, well, obviously everybody wants the guy uh, or the person that has the most talent and and the best attitude, but he says, given the choice, um, the best performing organization on the planet, which is uh, you know the navies of the world, you know the U.S. Navy, for instance, um, they always chose someone with a better attitude uh, over um, a better talent. Um, and, and then he gets to talking, he got to talking about who are the toxic people. And what he said is, it's really easy to see uh, who is the most toxic person in the team. You just walk into a room and all you have to ask is, who's the asshole? And then, <laughs> and then, and then everybody will point out to the same person most of the time. So um, how, do you, how do you approach firing? Is that, do you look for toxic people? Nobody likes to, to fire people. It's, it's a human nature. Eventually, we don't want to fire people. That's what I'm trying to, I want to avoid it. But how I, what is my plan to avoid firing? Bringing the right candidate is very important. If you bring the right candidate and you choose him for attitude and you run all of your checks carefully, you, you hit the ground running. You, you probably will not need to fire at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, the second, if 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 really you put your the interest of your employee or your team to an equal level as the organization, you really want, for example, I want my team to grow. I want them to learn. I want them to acquire new skills. I want them to be hireable in other jobs. I want them to get promoted. I want them, sincerely, I want that. Right. And while I want, but I want also all of the deadlines to be met. I want us to produce a high quality job. Right. I want us to do something innovative and creative. You have to move with both. We have to juggle the two balls and then automatically you will find yourself avoid. You don't need to fire anybody because you really, if you select the right people and then you motivate them, you, they can move the earth and mountains. Right. Right. Now, this is of particular relevance. Oil prices are at historic lows. I think yesterday the oil price was at the lowest level for 21 years at $15 a barrel um, or 16 or whatever it was. And, you know, obviously COVID is affecting uh, demand and investment and companies are downsizing. So sometimes, you know, you, you will have to fire even when you don't want to. That's a, I'll tell you another secret also. 
for you to avoid this firing. You hire less than you need. This is always, this way, this is, this is another way to motivate your team and build new skills in the team. Mm -hmm. This is, so if you move with less people in your organization chart all of the time, this is one another trick. I really like that. Yeah, yeah. this is always we do it in our minds. For example, we're running here in our projects, we're running with a very, I know developers who produce similar work to us with two or three times the amount of the teams we have, the number of people we have in our projects. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a smart, that's a smart direction from our side. I would, I would give to, to the team, to our project director, to the management in our company, for example. This is one another trick. Now, if, if you think about other companies and now what they have to do for layoffs and all of this and putting people in uh, fall off or whatever, COVID is putting a lot of challenges in different industries. There are some industries will take a big hit. Mm. There are some industries will still flourish and fire and hire people. There will be some industries will be under pressure and then will move back again. We, we need to approach this with a positive mind and positive mindset because I, I see the hysteria of people over the oil prices. What do you expect? You expect the energy, the energy demand in the world to be cut drastically. Most of the cars are stopped. Car, uh, energy consumption is much less because everybody's sitting home. What do you expect? Right. You expect oil consumption to drop because oil consumption will drop. There will be a place to, there will be no place to store. And that's what creates this mess. Anybody who understands the dynamic of energy industry will tell you that we are heading to lower prices for future options. Right. It, it, it's not a surprise. The surprise is the hysteria amount around it. This is a, this is a surprise. Yeah. yeah. In contrast with, uh, you know, the past crisis, you know, when, when I guess people's outlook was really pessimistic. Now we are seeing a little bit more positivity despite all the drop in demand. For some reason, people have a very positive outlook to this. They, people seem to feel that you know, as things will, will get close to normal uh, pretty soon. Being optimistic is something different than being a dreamer. Being optimistic, you still have to face the reality and to keep assess the situation in a periodical basis quickly. Now, I think, let's, let's talk about COVID in a, in a strategic way. Thinking what's the trend COVID accelerated. For example, artificial intelligence, cloud, automation. This is stuff we're talking about last few years. It's not new. Right. What happened that COVID assured us we are moving to this direction? Companies which we are building on the cloud and companies which are moving through the web and internet have much more value now. Look at the Zoom. Look at Zoom in uh, application. Right. For example, so COVID just accelerated this trend. Um, there is some 
trends which COVID will reverse. And there is some opportunities here as well. For example, I, for construction. Yeah. I expect mega cities appeal and charm will, will be a lot less. And people, some people will refrain and move to sub-airpens, for example. This is a construction opportunity. I expect some sub-airpen construction to be to be moving forward. And I, I, I expect, for example, a different designs for uh, residents. People now need to spend more time at home in their homes. They understood that. They will, will need, they will need more spaces in their places. So I think construction will do well on the longer, in the long term. Right. I am positive right. construction industry doing well in the long term. That's an interesting perspective. People realize they need more space at home because it seems more and more that uh, people were opting for smaller homes and uh, prioritizing spending time outside their house. And now they don't have the choice. Correct, but the, this is this is an opportunity as well for everybody. Um, as someone that has been following sustainability um, from uh, really early on in your career, do you see a better opportunity now? I'm positive about sustainability. We, it's obvious now. It's it's not a choice; it's a must. This is the first thing. The second. The perception about sustainability is changing. Is changing. Sustainability is not meaning we spend more. Actually, this is the wrong uh, perception with a lot of clients. Actually, if you think about the life cycle cost, all of the time sustainability is winning. Designing in a sustainable way, it means you think about the life cycle cost and doing the right choices. So eventually, everybody is winning. The stakeholders, the community, and the plan. The three B again. Right. The Talk to us a little bit about talk to us a little bit about Shamul, your latest position. What is your position there? And introduce your company a little bit to people that might not have uh, heard of it. Shamul, uh, Shamul is a developer to, who is building two big mega projects in uh, Riyadh and Khobar. Uh, Basically, we are uh, designing and planning to build uh, avenues Riyadh and avenues Khobar. Uh, Two big malls and attached with uh, a few hotels, Wild of Astoria, Four Seasons, uh, among others. Um, the, mother, uh, the mother company is uh, Mabani and Del Fauzan. Mabani is a equity company and they build uh, a very successful uh, franchise for the avenues in Kuwait mm. and in Bahrain. Uh, and they're planning to expand in Saudi Arabia. We're moving with the projects. We awarded our first project uh, to Nesma. And we are completing the design of our Avenue Scopper in the coming few months. Hmm. And 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 how did this how did this opportunity come about? Is this the first time, by the way, that you um, got a position at on the owner side. Correct. My first my first time to work as a developer. I worked before as a contractor, mm. subcontractor, uh, consultancy, project management, and then developer. 
I spent like 10 years with project management companies, and then I moved to the developer side. That's great. And, and, and how, how did this opportunity come about? Did you actively look for, for joining the owner side? Did you think that, you know, I've had enough of contractors or did the opportunity just come about? To be frank, I, 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 my, most of my experience is coming with the mega, mega projects, which is like uh, building a, a big shopping mall situated with uh, flowers. I built this complex maybe four or five hundred and five and four places. I built it in Dubai. I built it in uh, Doha. I built it in Kazakhstan. And now I'm building it two more of them in uh, Saudi Arabia. So basically I was, uh, I was thrilled about the projects, the type of them and the nature of uh, the avenues. It's, it's a great, uh, it's a great model for hospitality in the Middle East. Why do you think it's a great model? It's, it's, it has its unique uh, nature. This is one thing. Very successful. People love it. Uh, it's not the typical uh, type of a mall. If you go and visit in Kuwait, have one of the most, uh, the best footfalls in, uh, in the industry in the Middle East. Mm. It's, it's, it's a different spirit, actually. What I really like about this is the fact that, you know, you're building something that you'll be using yourself, you know, one day and, and maybe visiting yourself and, and with your family and going around. Does that affect you, make you uh, more passionate about it? Or is it something that you don't think about, you don't factor in when, when you're in the mode of work? Look, but all of our teams are passionate about the job. Everybody wants to bring the best he ever seen. We all, we're all traveling. Everybody, most of our people in our company is traveling 30 countries, 40 countries, mm. or even more. Mm -hmm. So everybody wants to bring the best, best technology, the best practice, um, what fit to our projects. And that's how we develop. We explore every opportunity to be to bring uh, the wow factors and uh, the best practice, the best technology. We, we, we're really moving to this direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is Saudi Arabia um, changing? Do you see change coming? Are you feeling the change that you're living uh, in Saudi Arabia? You know, we see these beautiful mega projects coming up. Um, as somebody that grew up in Saudi Arabia, um, uh, I remember, you know, we, we used to look at people uh, in Dubai and be a little jealous of, you know, all the cool things they had. And uh, do you see change coming? Time will tell, but uh, Saudi Arabia is a, is a, is a big uh, country, 25 million plus and uh, have a very strong purchasing power in comparison with others. So it's, it's a big market. And let's, let's say it's a different way. If, if the market will boom in anywhere in the Middle East, it will be Saudi. Mm. Uh, how, how the country will change? Uh, culture will be developing, uh, I, I cannot tell. But whatever it will be, it will be fine. 
first you say you know be humble and make don't don't go beyond your reach and don't hire more than you need and work hard and then you say adapt and i think um there's a really good mix of advice there uh, for being able to not just survive merely but thrive and be able to innovate um, because if you're too worried about going down because bad, bad choices you've made in the past um, you won't be able to dedicate enough energy to innovation and to creativity that's correct i share these views with you when i was studying civil engineering i would look at people in your position today and and feel like i could never get there and i would always idolize people in your position and i remember later on in college um i would add them on linkedin and try to talk to uh people like you at conferences and i still do and always in the back of my mind is what are these people doing i really don't like to read you know a book that says here are the 10 steps to success what i what i love to see is what are this person's habits How, what does he eat how does he sleep does he exercise um what books does he read who are the idols of these people uh, and i found that inspiration always comes through that yeah for do sure you, do you do you read a lot um or uh yeah yeah of course i read a lot it's 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 something happening with me since my teenager i it's i i give a credit to my dad actually he uh, since i was a child he he gave me an access to the our biggest uh, bookstore so i can go and take any number of books i want buy it and then i don't pay any money he will handle the, this account wow. so I, i i love to read since i'm uh, a child or a teenager I, i read a lot actually that is one of the best tips that i've heard <laughs> yes, in yes. my life you were also an instructor if i'm not mistaken Yeah, that's correct. I, I used to, to, to instruct companies like Aramco, Diwa, KGO over project management and uh, electrical and uh, mechanical. So it's not, just about, it's not just about learning. You also like to share the knowledge as well. Yeah, of course. I, I believe anybody who likes to learn, he likes to share what he learns. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> That's very <laughs> That's very true. And, and actually, this is the ultimate. If you are able to explain it, you, you learn more, actually. You learn more through teaching people. We're running close on, on, on our time here, and I think this is a, a great way into questions that we like to ask here. That is, how do you see construction Uh, in 10 years from now, how do you believe uh, that the industry would pro progress? And most importantly, how would you like to see the industry to, to progress? And that's, that's a great question. Seriously. Now I will, I will tell you my dream first. Please. I, I have a dream to slash the prices of the homes the same way Henry Ford did with cars. In the early 20s, the cars dropped 60% in price in 15 years. If we're still building cars the same ways before Henry Ford, me and you would not be able to afford a car now. Correct. 
people struggling everywhere in the world because we in the construction industry are not building in an efficient way till this moment. People, every, every person in the planet struggling with housing prices in, in his own, own level because we are not building efficiently. Yes. How do you how do you see that happening? I of the solution of course is the prefab. We need to build the same way they build the cars. We need to build our own assembly lines. We need to bring things prefabricated and ready to the sites. This is this. Do you know that our industry is one of the lowest in terms of the productivity of man hour? that is uh, produced a dollar yes. per man hour. We are, we are yes. the least productive industry in the world. As a matter of fact, productivity in developed countries in the construction industry has been dropping steadily by minus 1% per year. It's, it's in the McKinsey report from 2017. It's, it's incredible. Exactly. It's, 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 it's a shame. It's not only incredible, it's a yeah. shame. Yeah. Manufacturing productivity goes through like three or four times since 1950s. Correct. We need to transform the construction industry. We need to build the right projects in the right places, in the right way, to the right people. We, we were once told um, by a, at a customer's offices that we visited in Dubai in one of our very first meetings, it was a, a very forward-thinking uh, CIO. Um, and what he told us was, he says, look, guys, I, I love your solutions. I would love to see these come to reality. He says, your biggest enemy is cheap labor. Your biggest enemy to innovation is cheap labor. What's your opinion on that? We have to accept that uh, the biases of labor Check the prices of labels now in China. It's a cycle everywhere. Let's, let's talk, let's talk economy here about the prices of labels. Many companies are assessing the opportunities to shift the labels of the manufacturing facilities from China to India. The reality behind it is that India at this moment may introduce a lower rate for labels in comparison with China now. A few, um, many years back, everybody was manufacturing South Korea because South Korea had a cheap labor at that time. Taiwan, and then they shifted to China. And now they are thinking, okay, let's yeah. shift to India. Uh, the issue is, if you build the right way, in an innovative way, and then a scalable solution, a scalable, if you build a real mm. scalable solution, I'm sure you will be able to compete on the, uh, on the long run. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We really do hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you think that it delivered value to you, please share it with a friend who will appreciate it as well. Thanks.